listeners, this is Gene Aversa coming from you um, from the universe. You can see my background if you're uh, watching on YouTube. But uh, we're doing a special uh, podcast today. I'm interviewing um, I'm, uh, interviewing uh, some good friends of mine. Uh, one of them is my roommate. But we're going to be talking about uh, a movie they produced. Um, and um, it's an independent film called Midnight Run, which I had the pleasure of. Uh, you guys gave me a screener to it. So I'm, uh, you know, glad to uh, promote it. Um, I have uh, two, let's, excuse me. I have uh, these two people that I'll introduce. So first off, to my right is uh, Richard Hernandez. How are you doing, Richard? Hello. Hey. Uh, hi, Gene. Uh, thank you for having us here. Yeah, no, thanks for being on the Waffle Press podcast, man. Good yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And I have uh, my good friend and roommate, who's literally a couple doors down, is Alejandro. How are you doing, hey, buddy? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's good to have you aboard. Alejandro was here on this podcast, God, like last year. Yeah, before ago. the pandemic. Uh, after the Oscars uh, with Parasite 1. That's right, yeah. All, hell yeah, yeah, Parasite, dude. Um, but this is uh, Richard, your first time on the Waffle Press. Have you been on a podcast before? i have yes uh once once but it was an audio one but not a video one that's for sure so oh, okay. first time here <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah if you uh if you're watching on youtube you can see a really cool simpsons poster <laughs> hey thank you <laughs> yeah but uh yeah can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves for any listeners that this may be their first time uh listening to an episode with you guys on sure i'll go first <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My name is Richard uh, Hernandez. Uh, I'm a filmmaker over here in East Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, we just wrapped up our, well, not just, but, you know, COVID, but uh, we just finished our first feature length film. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, that was a pretty big step right there. But uh, yeah, well, um, that's, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, what about just kind of, uh, is this your first feature, Midnight Run, or um, have you directed anything? Yeah, like I, I've done about three to four other short films beforehand, but uh, I just, uh, after that fourth one, I thought it would be a crazy idea, but also cool to just go ahead and just start writing and working on a feature film. I mean, I think that's what everyone kind of like essentially wants to do at first i think they just yeah. want to go straight into it i think yeah. maybe i was uh crazy enough to just do it all you know prematurely <laughs> than just plan planning especially since this one was made with no money involved so oh, a wow. zero budget film <laughs> so yeah yeah have you um it's kind of like the robert rodriguez uh school of uh making a movie <laughs> definitely there, there there was a lot of uh of, uh showcasing those those 10 minute uh 10 minute film school videos to my crew yeah. <laughs> you, know, you a, get a lot of pointers from there it's very resourceful very, very he's a very smart man <laughs> yeah that's why he's yeah. uh he directed uh the best episode of mandalorian the one with boba fett <laughs> that was that was a that was a very cool episode uh uh yeah definitely um yeah um i was just gonna say i would recommend anyone who is looking to make movies or is looking for inspiration definitely read his book rebel without a film crew it's like a bible yes. right there for yes him. It was it was a it's it's a good read, but especially uh, it's um it's 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 pretty interesting to just see his point perspective and like how to acquire anything and make use of his resources. Yeah. Uh, because of that, I, I think he's a he's very genius. Like especially oh, yeah. since he did at such an early age. But then again, he had to be a little bold and like reckless to do stuff, especially what he did. <laughs> yeah, he sold his body for science. Basically. <laughs> But what, how else are you going to make money at the age of oh, 23 yeah, or early years of 20? Anyways, but, yeah, uh... um, <laughs> yeah, Alejandro, can you uh, say a little about yourself as well? Uh, well, I met Richard. Uh, we went to the same community college, uh, PCC Cinema Mafia. Ooh, but um, we, um, we met at a festival. I was really impressed with his uh, film, um, Red Door. Uh, was okay. it? Uh, uh, scenarios. Scenarios, yeah. So that I always think of the red door um, scenarios, and then we became acquaintances. Um, I met him at a party for uh, another uh, short film that we worked at uh, with a friend, and then he told me about the feature idea he was working on. He by then he was already uh, filming and working on it, 
I came on uh, uh, on board as um, uh, assistant director, and I had like a little cameo in the movie, but uh, my scene uh, didn't make it to the cut, which was fine. Uh, so, um, yeah. you know, unfortunately, you, you but can't get, yeah, uh, it's like you know, I think with the filming, you know, has to um, get to find the right uh, pace and. Um, yeah, and then we just talked about the uh, project that he was working on. I was very impressed. Uh, but I mean, I've been as assistant director, I saw his storyboards. Uh, I was looking at his setups. Um, most of Richard's film uh, take place during night, and this one was also taking place during night. Uh, the way he described it uh, was very appealing to me, very inspiring. So I decided to help him out. And then uh, I was able to attend the premiere and watch the first cut of the movie. and. Um, then Richard uh, last um, he retired like our like um, November December that he wanted to do a physical release um, for Midnight Run, and I had some experience with physical releases because uh, some of my short films, uh, my editor and friend Adrian uh, Iceburo made some um, blurs for it, but uh, I wasn't sure what the price was, so we started digging in and finding. Um, different programs that uh, were going to help us uh, create the, uh, the, the Blu-ray because uh, at the beginning it was only for like uh, people who work in the movie, actors, crew members, uh, but then we started talking, we started having uh, new ideas of like, you know, will be a potential uh, distribution for the movie. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, I know. It's, um, you know, you always want a network, especially in like film, you know, that's like your strongest resource, so. That's yeah. That's how you and me met, and yeah, I guess like Richard too on a film set as well. Yeah, actually, that's pretty funny. Uh, I mean, I think that's that's. I think that's how we're gonna meet most of our future collaborators. I only, so, and I only socialize two movies since now. That's you know sad, <laughs> but you know it's. Uh, what can I do? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I don't. What, what do you else do you talk about? Sports? Do you know <laughs> um. So like. Um, for for any audience member, can you can you tell us like what what is the uh, what is the synopsis of uh, Midnight Run? Well, well you know what uh, it's kind of funny, but I, I think uh, uh, if anything, Alejandro has actually worked on trying to wrap uh, trying to condense a, a, <laughs> a condense my version of the the, the plot. I'm not the be- I'm like the worst when it comes to log lines. Okay. Yeah, I know log <laughs> but, lines are hard. Or how would you like? They're tough. This, but yeah, yeah. yeah. This to someone. I, I think Richard told me like it's a coming of age movie tall as a grand house film. Um, it's a Halloween night, two friends, uh, Felix and Brian, um, they're, they're about to leave the party. They get left behind by the person who was supposed to give them a ride home. So they have to walk because um, they, you know, they live in that neighborhood. So they have to walk home. Uh, in that walk home, they're uh, robbed by this group of mass skaters. And um, I'm gonna probably like not oh, yeah, log line that this time ago, but uh, they meet a, a mysterious driver. Um, his name is Joe, and um, they realize that um, that driver is involved um, with um, some of the uh, gangs that are also involved with the uh, people who uh, mugged them and stole their uh, belongings. And it's just a night, one night, overnight o- odyssey. Um, about them uh, connecting as uh, two friends. So one of them is moving. Um, this all takes place in a, a fictional East Los Angeles uh, known as River City in the movie. Uh, we shot it um, all in the Montebello, uh, City of Terrace, Boyle Heights, East Los Angeles, uh, where um, we currently reside and where Richard's uh, very familiar with. Right. And yeah. Um, we, we live somewhere in that area without yeah. giving uh, our address away. <laughs> yeah, but, you do. You, you do. You do live like you. You pretty much just you're like jointed into there, yeah. I believe. But uh, yeah, you're yeah, essentially yeah. in the same area. Yeah. I, I was bi- I was biking actually at night to get to said. Uh, I'm Richard. That was uh, on my bike. You know, it, I, I thought that was that was funny uh, because uh, I think you had seen it on the GPS or so that that night we were gonna we were shooting um we were shooting the scene. That unfortunately got cut, or at least a portion of it. Um, mm-hmm. Had to do with my friend's backyard. We just like made it into a set, but uh, it's it's in Boyle Heights, so his, your guys' location is like not too far, but 
the fact that I heard that you were you were taking a bike over here, I was like, what? You could just take the gold line, <laughs> yeah, which the gold line can. actually crosses cr- crosses through East LA, all through yeah, East LA, and it's and, the last uh, and up north. <laughs> yeah, the last yeah. stop is Atlantic Station in Montebello. Yeah. So, so I was gonna say, I guess uh, if anyone didn't know, I'm I grew up mostly um, at the border of Montebello, um, East LA, for a good part of my childhood. I moved to Whittier. So, I, you know, I really know that area well. And uh, Richard, are you a... Because I know Alejandro, you're from San Diego originally. But Richard, did you grow up in... Um, did you grow up in East Los, uh That kind of city terrace area? Uh, I moved a lot as a child. Um, so there's, there's like, I guess I would say it's segmented. <laughs> it's, it's just phases. So, like, I guess my my, my, my elementary school years, I, I did stay in, in um, East Los Angeles, Central East Los Angeles. First okay. Street, and uh, uh, eventually moved over to Boyle Heights, okay. and I stood there for like a good, probably five years later. Came back around my high school years, back to East Los Angeles, and now I'm currently in Montebello. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I, those... I jumped around, but, <laughs> but I lived yeah. in the surrounding areas. I lived right across the street uh, from the Astor Burger. That's actually pretty close, at least from oh, where I'm currently staying. <laughs> yeah, so I'm definitely. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, I, I, um, you guys really, um, cause Richard, you directed and Alejandro, you, uh, produced, um... uh, well, uh, I jumped in as an assistant director, but, uh, okay. I did someone like, I guess what we could say associate producer, executive producer right now. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, you guys really captured, um, you really captured, uh, that area, the East LA area really well. I, I think I can't think of any other, um, you know, uh, film that really got like the vibe of those, uh, that place. Cause, um, you know, I, I, I know that area and, you know, there's like places like, uh, freaking like that we know that we've been to like freaking, uh, El Tepeyac, uh, Astro Burger I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of some other, like, uh, there used to be like a comic book stories to go to, I forgot what it's called in. Uh, oh yeah that was a uh, comic city right that comic was city, in, yeah was in, yeah currently now uh, under new ownership i believe it's game hogs oh okay that's a retro game store it's not yeah. comics anymore huh no more comics the comic stands are still there he's still making use of those <laughs> but it's oh, no okay. longer comics i think he's using he he's selling old uh retro magazines like game reformers and, and nintendo powers but he made use yeah. of it <laughs> oh yeah no because i was gonna say i think this is my theory um uh, for los angeles movies um, for the most part, I think the, the the ones that are successful that capture the city well are like the 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 people that grew up in LA, like the LA natives. Like those are the people that tell that story. So I was like, can you talk a little bit just about that? Just like how you um how you managed to uh, just like fit the city. I know it's like called River City, but kind of like fit like that area so well. I'm like, oh, I know that place. I know that place. You know. <laughs> yeah definitely well i mean i i think it's um i think it really comes down to the, uh, the streets and the neighborhoods uh, mm-hmm. as well as uh locations that you just uh, often like commute throughout your whole life so you know it's a well you know and also um you kind of get an eye for familiarity uh you also gravitate towards that so i feel like that's a really strong uh you know ability to just capture that on film uh, and also the really funny thing is that whenever you know um even from people that just watch films especially from east la yeah they go they go nuts when they see something that's familiar you know especially yeah. uh i think some of the common ones is uh uh blood in blood out <laughs> they always <laughs> they always uh, we, whenever you're in east la there's at least someone that's visiting always wants to take a picture over at you know <laughs> well, i was gonna say i met this like this was just being on set it's like probably a fucking this guy was fucking weird, but like, yeah, he was asking me where I was from, and I'm like, oh yeah, I grew okay. up here in, in Pomona. Maybe I was like born in Pomona, moved to East LA, moved to uh to Whittier, and I was like, he's like East LA, it's like that place, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's like, well there was crime there, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> excuse he was me, like, he like, like I would say I don't know if it like gets a bad rap on film, but I feel like it gets really exaggerated as like this like uh, I don't know the way the guy was talking about it. it was like he was talking about it like it was hell's kitchen in the 80s 
Uh, and crazy. it's like it's not it's not like that at all. I don't know. What do you... I, I wouldn't know personally, but maybe it's the way per, it's portrayed on like media. It's always it's gonna be forever cemented in that way. With like uh, butt in, butt out. probably, but yeah. regardless, I think it's stylistic choice that makes it look a certain way, anyways. So, yeah. but for but but uh, if you if I guess if there's one thing I'd like to showcase, it's just not bad, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I think yeah, the the city has like a lot of culture. Like my grandma, she lived um off of beverly she was technically in east la and there was just like a nice old neighborhood you know it was like you know they had like just like the nicest people it's not you know this this uh this like this uh this weird you know uh fictional like grand theft auto city <laughs> uh, yeah i mean sure you can portray it that way but then again what's what other city is i think that's just people trying to uh uh, super uh, stylize a uh, location just yeah. for the sake of entertainment, and which is guys, completely fine because, like, who's gullible enough to believe that? <laughs> yeah, I guess this, like, random sound guy met on set. That's funny. But, you yeah. know, that's cool. I like that perception. You know, it's sick. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> did you guys see that meme where it's, like, um, it's on probably, like, movie set memes where it's, like, this pair of, like, sunglasses and it's, like, oh, it's, like, when uh, production's filming anywhere else, and then it's like the guy puts on the sunglasses. When production's filming in Mexico, and everything has like yeah. the yellow. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all it's all <laughs> a, a sepia and. <laughs> yeah, sepia and oaks. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I hate kinda, that. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, yeah that's. And that's it's a, still being practiced today. It's very strange, but it's it's. Yeah, I, th it's I thought that would die down. I thought color would come back, you know. But no, it's <laughs> it's all this monotone, dreadful. Like we live in this. Town. Yeah, it's only in American yeah. movies too, like I guess. Especially, I mean, how else would they not know what to talk about or see? <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, and kind of going off that subject, um, I'm not sure if you guys know that it's it's that Netflix show You. Have you heard of that? You? Yes, no. I have. So you I haven't watched it though. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, but no, no, it's all right. But like, there's a season because I, I haven't watched the show, but I know what people told me. And this is just based off of like what I've read and whatever. I have not seen the show, but they say the way they portray Los Angeles is how like uh, like a transplant, an L.A. transplant would do it. So it's only the West Side. It's only like Santa Monica, Culver City. That's only portray only areas they portray like, I don't know, they portray Hollywood, but that's it. And I think like the breadth and the width of L.A. is portraying. But, you know, there's obviously Santa Monica. There's obviously the pier, but like. The LA, LA people know that a lot of, you know, like residents, you live in like South Central, uh, Boyle Heights, uh, East LA, Montebello, they know all the the counties of LA, they know how big the county of LA is, like Whittier, you know, it's a big place. It is, definitely, yeah. So I, I think you really accurately uh, portrayed that on uh, on film, you know. Thank you. That's uh, that's actually really nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because yeah, I just get really annoyed like when I see like uh, I don't know, like just the the like the yuppie versions of like Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely the whole um, the tourist attraction areas. I yeah, guess. exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, you uh, know, like, like Fast and the Furious. They pretty, you know, the first <laughs> one, right? I mean, the first one was nice. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say even that is accurate. You know, that happens in that Echo Park and yeah, uh, yeah, West Lake. <laughs> West Lake. They weren't show. They weren't. They weren't nearly showing as much as uh, downtown LA as other films at that time. Yeah. So uh, even I believe that uh, it was very condensed for what that was, especially that budget. But uh, oh yeah, I liked it. Yeah, sure. but I won't get into the Fast and Furious. I think we had a whole, a whole conversation with me and Alejandro regarding that series. Oh, okay, it's yeah. still a great series, though. So I, in I regards to, it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there, yeah. there's definitely, it needs to go back to its uh, central roots. Yeah, honestly. not in space. Not in space. Um, <laughs> not in space. Not not swinging via a chain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've seen the latest clip, I, I but saw uh, it, I saw it. that um, but, is. But, yeah, can you talk a little bit about production? Um, we could we could go back to kind of writing it but kind of like can you take us through like location scouting and kind of like because these, these like all the shoot was at night it reminded me of like the the battle of uh winterfell and game of thrones where it was all night shoots so talk a little <laughs> right, bit right. about that how grueling that was or what have you yeah 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 definitely uh so i think um it was uh, i guess it, it gets divided into two two uh two sets of minds um 
one, uh, we had to find uh, a way to shoot this film on the streets in specifically the locations we wanted to uh, without anyone bothering us. And I think that uh, the easiest way to do so was to uh, shoot it when everyone's asleep. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it just evades problems. And um, it's not nearly as much cops that you would think there would be. And plus, I don't think cops were even the main issue or ever an issue, actually, uh, during our set. It was mainly uh, whoever was just hanging around at night and just was looking for trouble. But in regards to that, I don't think uh, we hardly even had any issues. Um, but uh, the choice the, the choice does come down to one being a stylistic choice as well as something that was necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and plus, I have a knack for just, or at least not even a knack, just like a, a gravitation to just shoot during the nighttime. Um, was, I don't know. It's it's nice on because uh, you shot on film. Uh, I shot no. I actually shot it on a on a black magic pocket camera, the first okay. generation. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It looks very nice very low camera. profile. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's a really small camera, right? Uh, yeah. Almost oh, almost looks like a, a toy. Uh, really funny when you set up a rig on it. Uh, it's almost comical, but it looks like a toy uh, point and shoot because of how how small the body is and how big the lens could really be sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, yeah, I, I, I it's it does have its uh, flaws. But the picture quality and just the way it like managed uh, for my workflow, it did wonders for me. But now it's really beat up. I put it to rest. <laughs> you had to retire. Yeah, went to yeah, unfortunately. But um, anyways, uh, can you talk a little bit about the look of the film too? Because it looks really cool at like night and everything. I know you kind of added some uh, like filters and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, yeah. So I guess primarily the. Like I'm uh, just jumping back on to the fact that we shot it at night um, to showcase like locations. Uh, I don't know. I think the way that some streets and some locations are just vacant, the, va the, the idea of having a vacant area as well as a well-lit area just by, by just mere moonlight and street light. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. You kind of just notice things that you don't usually do. Mm. And you yeah. usually, I, I usually just take notice of locations, regardless of the look of it. I just find it special. But in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, you know, I could, I could make a really good location to should have seen it. <laughs> yeah. Most of most of the time is that that's mainly my excuse. But also, it's just like uh, you got to be familiar with the area to even know whether or not it's safe. But you know, that's why location scouting comes in. And yeah, uh, location scouting, uh, it's really just the locations we chose were just places we are often at. We shot like at a burger, it's like two burger joints. Mm -hmm. uh, first, uh, one is uh, let's see by i think on first street as well uh okay. my friend actually worked there for a bit uh asked like hey is it cool if we could shoot he's like yeah it's fine honestly we'll be close at 9 p.m everyone leaves i'm like the cameras they don't work <laughs> i'm like all right cool we just jumped in there i went oh, there nice. i think a week before uh test shot saw how the light of the, the available light worked when the lights turned off because there's some times lights in some buildings and then we just set up our own lights and we shot for an hour a test shoot and then a week later came to, uh come when the actual shoot came we just went ahead and just uh did it ran winged it and just took our time there um but i i guess it's it's very diy in that sense but uh you can get away you can get away with a lot with just places that you just know that aren't just going to give you any trouble yeah doing um, gorilla style kind of stealing the location yeah uh yeah i definitely i definitely uh, value that uh filmmaking uh, method uh yeah. only because like you know it's not you can you can get away with so much without worrying about it so well, as well yeah and just cool. not just yeah money, money money becomes an issue when you start thinking about it too much and um yeah. you don't necessarily need a, a permit for some for most things just ask <laughs> just like yeah. i think that just comes down to that you could just ask uh the second location we we shot at it was uh, another burger joint it was right next to it um there's also a driveway um they're fine with it we bought like chili cheese fries. We actually incorporated it in the in, in the scene, uh, but yeah, they, they were I, cool with it. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that scene where it felt very that felt very lived in because it's like uh, <laughs> the uh, the character these his friends are trying to like steal his fries. They keep asking, and yeah. I think like we all been in that situation where we might have been the person like, hey, can I have one? You know? Yeah, sometimes we don't have five bucks on us, you know? Yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. I mean, you have food and you don't dare share with us. Just kind of kind of person are you you know <laughs> but yeah <laughs> um but yeah that that's that's primarily the the look of it uh but 
for like a stylistic choice, um, I did want it to look like a B movie, like how Alejandro explained, a uh, very grindhousey look. Presentation wise, I knew that um, for its uh, shortcomings, at least for a movie that was no budget, I had to at least presented in a way where it was uh, uh, interesting visually, you know. Um, so that's where the idea of a, of a grindhouse B movie drive-in uh, style type of like feature was was brought up i think that that choice came probably right after i wrote it i was thinking okay how was i how i'm gonna how am i gonna like differentiate sorry differentiate this uh this 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 movie <laughs> you know like it, could, it, could, it just could fall into the category at that moment at any category it could be just a, a normal coming of age film and you know that's it you know it's pretty boring i guess you would say in standard but um at that time i think i was like 22 okay. uh I, I was just like i was i was just excited to just jump into it especially a feature film so i thought you know why not why not add as much as i could what what is there to lose i wasn't gonna lose any money either you know like yeah. um we're, we're gonna shoot this with no money on our free time every every like weeknight every other weeknight sorry and um whenever we could and like you know at the end of the at the end of the, the day we were just gonna have to like look back at this project that's just that was the end goal, you know? Yeah. Um, so I thought, oh, why not? Why not just like implement whatever you want? And, you know, practice everything that you wanted over, like you've been wanting and thinking about over the years and just like add it in there. Uh, some might not work, but you, you you grow to learn that, you know, as, as, as for anything, things just, you know, you, you, you just had to try. That's the thing. And I spoke about, uh, I spoke about it with my friends, uh, which are my crew. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they thought, were, they, they just agreed on it. You know, they, they thought it was cool. Uh, they thought it was fine, a bit confusing, but you know, uh, I think I think until you see the final product, you kind of understand when someone's trying to explain something to you. You don't know what they're trying. You don't know what that's what's uh, what's going on in their heads until you get some sort of visualization. But um, I took some test shoots, of course. I try to do my own like edit like versions of like uh, like scenes I have written out, and then I showed them off, and then like I guess it was a proof of concept stage right there, you know. Had to see if it was actually going to work or not, but um, oh, I think bad. that, yeah, um, I, th I think the main uh, the main challenge was to like prove it to yourself whether or not you're gonna be okay with doing this for the next like so and so years, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's for any project, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, at least you know, at the end of the day, you just say to yourself, like, at least you did it, like you like, you know, you don't have anything to like prove to anyone, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so Richard, guys, um, tell us a little bit, I guess this is more for Richard, um, can you talk a little bit about like influences, kind of like writing the feature, um, anything you want to elaborate on that, because I, I, I was going to say like right off the bat, I don't know if I'm like correct, but with the war, because I love this movie, I love The Warriors by uh, friggin' uh, the eight, the 70s movie, and it's a, it's a game from Rockstar, but uh, was the Warriors an influence or anything? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, uh, that, right down from the soundtrack, I believe. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, the I think I think it was really good. Yeah, uh, it's funny how you uh, even brought up the, the video game. I think I think that even had more of an influence than the movie itself, yeah. only because of the how well the uh, Rockstar did a good job in that. Yeah. Uh, they did a they, they they elaborated on the lore a lot, mm -hmm. uh, like excellent it was great yeah. uh especially the soundtrack they, they did a great job with recreating the sound oh, yeah. um so uh i would say yeah definitely um primary uh, i would say the the one night type of venture uh you know influence was, was that well that was it that I would say so as well as the gang um different locations uh and to even just stay a little bit on the rockstar thing i mean i think that movie itself was a heavy influence to the whole like 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 company i mean you yeah. see that in everything they yeah, love showing lo yeah you see those you see every location of the city's gangs you know there's that, there's that dude right there if you go into that region feels differently because that gang occupies it and you see that in every you yeah. see that dna in everything yeah it's, it's cool favorite? What was your favorite gang in uh, the Warriors though? Just that was all Uh, I mean, the Warriors. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, specifically. Just, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. Just just because just because the uh, maybe because they were just fleshed out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're the only ones that are just fleshed out. Yeah. I would say. 
the Furies, I guess, but uh, yeah, the, that's just because of the look, yeah, you know, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. um, uh, probably the Warriors too. Yeah. Um, can you dig it? I think I'd probably go with the, the riffs. The riffs are cool. Yeah, they yeah. had they had this very very sick sick look to it. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I mean that that's how you would say for all of those. You know, the Lizzies too. Um, oh yeah, the Lizzies. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I feel uh, that that that's, that movie itself. Uh, I would I, yeah, definitely an influence just because yeah. of the way uh, you can feel like that world is going to live in. Especially you don't like you can even say that that movie isn't even the seventies. Just like when you look at it, it's like in some other time zone. Yeah, it's like alternate history in New York. Hell yeah, and that, that's the thing I dig about it. You know, that's that's uh, you see that something has happened within the world and society, and uh, you're just literally dropped in for that one mm-hmm. evening. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and can you talk a little bit? Because you're talking about this is the coming age. The uh, the main character Felix, he's trying to like get out of like the city. He's trying to move away. Um, can you talk a little bit about writing that? Because I feel like um the character he's roughly like 20s would you say right yeah uh i think yeah mostly every one of my characters are like in early 20s so okay because that that's such a weird age when you think about it because it's like you have your you kind of you finished high school so you have like a you have a degree a degree to like work wherever minimum wage but you kind of you're 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 over childhood and you're kind of like pretty much an adult but not really you know, like you can't like have a 401k and like that age is like really like pivotal, <laughs> I guess, in your life and all the decisions you make, you know, and you're yeah, kind of, definitely. Like, almost too young to like, like have that grasp of that too well. But can you talk a little bit just kind of uh, crafting like a coming of age show? Because I, I find those like really timeless, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, it's kind of hard for even say coming of age because because you're so you're so um, used to the fact that there's like high school, like graduates. You, you come to all these films from the eighties, uh, even early two thousands. Uh, you, you get this like high school uh, stigma to it, to coming of age. I can't even say this movie is even a coming of age, but the DNA is definitely there. It's more of just like young adult, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say um, because that's primarily what I was at, you know, that's where I was at in my point of time. I wrote this movie when I was in my early twenties. Like, so uh, I just wrote what I was experiencing and as well as my own friends and whoever I was surrounded with at the time. Uh, uh, I guess it's just more grounded and uh, just, I guess, relatable or just whatever I was seeing at the moment. Whatever struggles that people were going through at that moment, uh, these thoughts and also just like confusion. It's a lot of confusion that you have. I would say I had, especially. You just don't know what you really want. And um, I think maybe it's because... Uh, I think we're past the whole moment where like your parents kind of like have this, this, uh, this, this, this view of how you're going to grow up, you know? And like, you know, you, you always have that idea where like, you know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, and especially, I guess for most, most of my friends, we're all Latino. So, um, Hispanic, et cetera. So we have like this first generation, second generation, like offsprings and siblings that we have to like kind of, uh, amount to, you know? Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's like, that's where the confusion and the, and the inspiration came from when just writing these characters. I think it's more of like, do I really want this? I just want to leave. I'm so, I'm so tired of like, like, like staying at one place in one for so long. And right. um, I, you know, it's, I guess it's, it's just something I, I, I noticed and I thought it'd be pretty interesting to implement to a character because um, while well, one, that's where they can get to talking, you know, it's yeah. just like, you know, he can, he can go on and just like understand, I guess. Um, and like I mentioned, I, I think it's, it just comes down to like the, the, the point of time I was in, um, you know, that it's just the, the usual stuff that goes through that you go through like an early young adult, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It felt very like, um, kind of like American graffiti, you know, trying to get out of like a, a small town. Cause I, you know, I've kind of felt like that, um, kind of like places I lived, you know, Whittier, you know, it's very small townish and yeah. Just yeah, like, definitely. You know. Um, so yeah, I think you really handled that pretty maturely. And then too, um, it's good to see like Hispanic characters on screen as well. I really, you know, really dig that. Can you talk a little bit about um, just kind of like giving proper representation where it's more nuanced than say like any other 
Um, forced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that guess that's uh, that's it. You know, I just try not to be as forceful as you can. Uh, and plus, I mean, that, that's just my friend group. You know, okay. <laughs> it could be any ethnicity, you know, ethnicity and race. But uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I thought it would be proper just to show uh, Latinos and to showcase them, especially just uh, especially young young Latinos and showcase them because. Um, yeah, it's representation, definitely. And I think that's very important. Uh, but at the same time, um, you can write that with any character. But even then, uh, I think it's more important to show it in the minority, you know? Yeah. I think it showcases a lot more. And then, you know, hey, it's just realistic. <laughs> it's just like, you can you can drop yourself into any part of the city and you can still see the people going through the same problems, maybe some harder. But um, I think it's just... Uh, the realism aspect goes into it if you just show uh, where you're from, you know. And I thought I think it was most important to just showcase the the people that I'm around with the most. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you do you have any like I guess kind of like experiences or like I you know I don't want to base it on a friend like say that but kind of like any anything you could uh, say um, making it so like lived in I guess any experiences you could elaborate on. Uh, in regards to um, oh, just like the story and kind of the characters and kind of like. You know, like you, we've all kind of been to that kind of party where, uh, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, like they only have like two seats in the car and then, um, you know, like, right. Back yeah. The... Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just it. You know, it, I, I wrote what I knew, <laughs> like okay. what I've been through. It's, it's all, uh, I guess an exaggeration of just like real life events. So, uh, you know, you're, you're just, you're just writing in it for the sake of fiction. Um, and also for an entertaining story. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, just just um, twist up a bit of like what your memories are and then you can make a movie out of it or make a good story. I mean, that, I think that that's what every parent is at after all, you know, I think most of them just like try to like spice up a bit of their memories just, in, you know, <laughs> to just sort of entertain your children. It's like, yeah, I used to do this and that, you know, I used to be all over the place and et cetera. But, you know, take that aspect into writing. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, um, yeah, I just I really appreciate that. Um and then too yeah just like sorry i was gonna say that uh like uh yeah this or the scene with uh where the character brian he's in the car trying to get the number of uh his crush you know that was very very unique oh felix felix yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I'm sorry uh, i'm felix sorry yeah it's the it's the third but still yeah <laughs> yeah that was kind of like a nod to um you mentioned the graf uh, American graffiti. Uh, uh, I do. I, 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 I think when I saw that scene where like two people were speaking to each other at the other, like in two different cars and then seeing four, it. Yeah. yeah and then, and then four, seeing, yeah, yeah, that's his, I think that might be his acting debut. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think so. Well, you're, you might be right. Cause I don't remember anything else. <laughs> so yeah, yeah you, you know, right. before that he was just a set painter and apparently a pot dealer. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I think I, I think I saw that in a tweet. Yeah, from... someone was like, he was slinging weed because when they saw Star Wars, they're like, hey, that's my pot dealer. <laughs> <laughs> that's freaking funny. That's cool, though. I mean, you know, you get yourself to places if you, you know, you meet some interesting people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But sorry, is your turn? Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely that. Uh, I took inspiration from that. I, th I thought it was just kind of cool. And I saw it recreated in, uh, I think, uh, in uh richard linklater's uh early films i, I saw that in uh dazed and confused on days of confused and i saw it also in slacker there's that one moment where they were just talking to each other before they go into that, that venue they're just they're, they're they're talking to another car as well or they were in a car i don't know but I, uh if sorry my memory is pretty blurred there but i saw it practiced in that film too and um I don't know. I just thought, you know, why not do that? I thought that was pretty sick. Um, just because, like, you know, like sometimes it's like it's kind of cool that you could do that kind of stuff. But um, and like it's it's a slice of life type of thing, you know. Um, sometimes you just do. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it'd be pretty cool to practice that on film, like on a short or like a feature film. And you know, just, it takes until you actually do it, you know, <laughs> to see it happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of changing gears. Um, can you guys talk a little bit? Because I, I really enjoyed the music in that, the soundtrack of that particular scene. I'm not sure if the, the, the theme for the for his love interest, um, but like kind of, uh, I forgot how the theme goes. It's like, do, do. 
I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Like that was really slick. Yeah, I thought that. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about the music and kind of like uh, your composer and what kind of like uh, sound you're trying to give the movie? Hell yeah, uh, that's uh, that's all done by Jonathan Rocha. He's a he's an old friend of mine too. Um, that he composed all the songs. And uh, that was actually uh, samples. Those were the, the entire the entire soundtrack is made out of samples. Oh. Um, he just recomposed them, mixed them, chopped them, etc. But um, yeah, at, at pre-production phase, uh, I I think I remember approaching him and just asking him like, "Hey, uh, we got to do something different with the soundtrack in regards to this because one, we don't have enough money to like pay." anyone to do anything original <laughs> and plus yeah. uh what doesn't sound so typical than just orchestral and uh your usual like pop soundtrack you know um uh, and that was around the time when he was uh he had just gotten his sampler uh like uh sp4 mm -hmm. uh and then he was just like he, he was going all he was going he was going nuts with like these artists uh especially the avalanches we were really obsessed with the avalanches around that time and we okay. just like we just like freaked over the fact that like oh they're back with this like new album and well, we were we were just admiring the, their their efforts and like the way they 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 shape music with like the, like the sound of like sampling. Usually, you would see that produced for like rap and you know uh, etc. You know, but in this case, they used it in a very psychedelic way and like yeah. oh, dig this. Um, it, yeah, it it almost feels like a soundtrack. And in my head, I'm like, you know what? That's that's it. That's what we want. We want that sound uh, for a film. You know, like I would like to see that in a film because one. Um, yeah, also that this is another another thing I approached him with. I told him, hey, we're gonna make a movie that's with, we're gonna make it with no money. Um, if people don't like this movie, that's fine. You know, obviously I didn't lose anything outside of my, you know, outside of time. But um, if there's one thing that they're gonna like at least is the music for it. <laughs> so we tried our best to make it sound as cool as it is, as well as, you know, proper and you know, you know, we well, we don't want something to just over overshadow a scene or anything, but we, we were very careful with how we were composing and working with the music with that. And I was there with them too, because, well, one, I wanted to hear something new from him, but at the same time, like, hey, this would be pretty cool if like we took the direction, uh, like that scene should have like a theme song, like how you mentioned, that'd be pretty cool, you know? Like we thought that 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 setting, uh, we looked at the setting, et cetera. And, uh, you know, we, we, just, we just took it in a very experimental way. I think that's, yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess uh, talk just a little bit um, just about directing actors too. Um, just like kind of like kind of that guerrilla style just on another topic right there. If you don't mind. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I think as you can notice, uh, most of my crew was actually and the cast was mainly compiled of my friends. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it was compiled of like, uh, of like non-actors and mm -hmm. actors. I thought there was also an experimentation I wanted to do where um, uh, I thought, you know, it'd be pretty interesting to um, sort of uh, blend professionally trained actors as well as people that are just right, you know, like everyday normal people yeah, and mix them together just so they can bounce off of each other. One, I need I needed to get a group of skaters. <laughs> that's one okay. thing. And if there's one thing that you, you just can't get right is uh, trying to trying to teach an actor to skate. You know, that's just not going to work out. <laughs> especially to pull off, especially to pull off the look. Like, how are you going to do that? You know, and within such a short time too, with no money. No, that's not true. And I, I, one, I'm surrounded by a bunch of like friends that skate. So um, I thought, you know, just throw them in the movie. It'd be pretty cool. Of course, it'll take longer. It takes longer to to, to direct people that just don't know how to act but i think i think that's uh, like the a really useful use, useful like advice to say is just you know just try to make them comfortable as, as much as much as you can and uh just tell them to act like themselves because one uh i wanted to <laughs> some of some of my friends especially uh the one that plays uh geo uh my friend danny um he's a character of his own like i thought oh <laughs> fuck you're, you're my you're my you're my you're my jay you know okay. <laughs> and like so like you know he has like this right. this character like you know the, some of the shit you say like and like when we're like hanging out just like you know we gotta like record you sometimes you know you're just you're a jackass sometimes but also you're just really funny <laughs> and i thought you know like it'd be pretty cool to just have you in the movie and um it worked you know it just worked because he's 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 uh he's not shy at all uh it did take a while for him to become comfortable but that's just anyone you know 
Um, but uh, going back to the topic, uh, I thought, uh, like I said, it was it was a, kind of an experimentation I wanted to do. I wanted to have professionally trained actors to just be there and interact with like people that just don't and have them bounce off of each other. One, it helps the non-actors just get comfortable on set as well as, you know, just, just get some sort of pointers as well as uh, just a professionally trained, you know, they just, they just kind of like feed off their energy, feed off their, their vibe at that moment. You know, how do, how do I accurately portray, how do I actually, how do I accurately know what this person is feeling? At least the character, what I'm trying to say. And um, it just worked. I don't know. I, I, I thought, I thought uh, I thought what turned out to be um, what turned out on the film was actually pretty cool, um, especially just the performances. Uh, Alex and Tana and um, Justin Huff, which is Brian and Felix, they did a good job. Yeah. Um, yeah they they um, yeah. I, I thought like you know I, I try to keep their their scenes very intimate and very like you know uh, isolated. Just having them to have conversations, take a break from the plot, and uh, it worked. You know, one it was it was a uh, a lot less. Uh, stress to set up scenes like that but also it, it gives you enough time to take take a uh, careful uh, attention to just the you know the actors just how their performances are and uh, it's easier to just go ahead and just like pull them to the side and have a conversation and ask them like hey so like what do you think of this scene you know do, do you think it's a uh, you know do you believe it you know do, do, what, what is this person saying you know do you, you know like they, uh, they they have enough time to just like cooperate and just communicate and be like, yeah, you know, this isn't gonna work, <laughs> or like, yeah, you know, I like this is fine. Some days are easier, some days are like longer, but um, it's just easier when you try to like take it in step by step, especially um, especially with scenes that just involve two people. I think yeah. that's just stronger because you're just there for longer, and you by the time it's over, it's just like, well, wow, like we spent an hour just shooting this. <laughs> it's just like we don't even need like any more takes. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I feel like you know, look at a uh, Nomadland. You know, a lot of non-actors in there, so it's certainly... Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it really, you know, just depends on the their direction of the story. Um, I guess kind of like, just a fun question for you guys, because um, I know you were filming late nights. What was the best place to eat or anything, like, after or before the shoot? What, what would you go to, like, around that area? Um, Definitely Jim's Burgers. It's in Boyle Heights. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know that one. Yeah, yeah, that, that there, and then um, there, there's a there's another spot called JNS. Are you familiar with that? I, oh yeah, I, I know JNS. Yeah, it, it was uh, it's on uh, it's in Montebello. Yeah, I love that place. It's really yeah, cool. yeah. It's it's more it's more of a trucker like stop because like yeah. it's open late night and you can just buy a hot dog and whatever. Uh, breakfast burritos are good there too. Um, just fast foods, you know, I stuff like, like fast food. Soft quesadilla, or it's like the the hard quesadilla or the soft the soft tostada. That's a good one. That's what my dad gets. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I. I think I. 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 I took uh, Alejandro to Jim's Burgers after like those two shoots. Uh, over and then I that. was like, "Wow, that's in the movie too." What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, do, do you have a favorite spot, Alejandro, that you go to? Like, um. So here, like, okay, so in LA, like, I like um. It's in Pasadena. Um. Is it the one that we went to after uh, your birthday? Yeah, it's called uh, best not best boy. Um, uh, big boy, lucky uh, boy, lucky, lucky boy, boy yeah, lucky boy. Lucky boy is great. Um, James Burger is good too. And there's a place that I found out here um, by Main Street. Um, dang it, what's it called? They have pretty good pastrami sandwiches. Is it Kirikos? Kirikos? Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, it's right here by. Um, it's not the hat, is it? Well, I mean, the hat is like a praise, but you know, we're talking about like late night snacks. Uh, Avenue 26 uh, Tacos um, in Lincoln Heights is pretty good. Now it's a whole venue. It's like a a lot of different, uh, not only like tacos now, there's a lot of uh, Peruvian food, uh, Colombian food, um, elotes, uh, uh, esquites. Well, esquites sounds like the the lotes are all prepared. And... um, you know, it has to be like made is like very stereotypical, but Tommy's still hey, in the spot. Original Tommy's, Tommy's in downtown LA. Yeah. yeah, the original Tommy's is great. The one in like Hollywood's good. All, all the Tommy's are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, like I, I would say the only, I guess it's a hot take, but I feel like King Taco is just a little bit overrated. It's pretty expensive for what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, why don't I go? I could go to like 
Trejo's Tacos and I'll get like the same price. Which is... Trejo's Tacos are overrated too. It's and, overrated, um, yeah. yeah, Trejo's Cantina. That's only because uh, of the name. You guys should try to get him in a movie. Apparently, like he charges really low. Like he, he's down for anything. <laughs> maybe it seems like just, it. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll like edit out the part where we Don't saying his tacos are overpriced. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, hey man, I, we're customers at the end of the day, so <laughs> I will look here in the movie. So I actually uh, like Trejo working. Uh, he, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty chill. Like yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Um, but yeah, I think I would just say probably like um, I would go to like King Torta or um, freaking. Oh, I love King Torta. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's in Alhambra, but I would go to uh, Pepe's. Yeah, or Astro Burger. Those are mine. Um, but yeah, I know. I was just, I was just wondering. And one last question before we kind of talk about the some the last couple talks for the movie. Do you guys have a favorite Grindhouse film? Oh, don't ask Richard, man. He's gonna get oh, a trap, okay, dude. I guess <laughs> just like off the top of your head that you would recommend to someone trying to get into the genre. That'd be like this encapsulates everything about this genre to to be more concise. I guess. I mean, yeah, the most, ex- I mean, not the most extreme, but like, you know, a, a good, a good, a good starter one is always the one that you always hear for us is probably Cannibal Holocaust, just because of the way it's, uh, the, <laughs> just, just because of the reputation unique. it is, you know? It's unique. We'll say that. It is unique. It's also cool. It's also the first, um, they did it first before Blair Witch, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But yes, definitely that. That's a good starter one, first of all. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. Shock value is there. Also, just, uh, the the, <laughs> the realism to it i guess <laughs> mm-hmm. uh all hundred do you have one ah dang it now um maybe you like the last one you saw at new beverly i will um i'm visiting like i i i haven't seen any of them uh well if i could uh something i i seen like um because i go to the arrow for the horton and that's when oh. you know you see all the <laughs> hardcore stuff yeah yeah we did the the at home horathon last year that was fun oh rich i have thank you man it's an all-nighter six movies on halloween night all night from 7 p.m to 11 in the morning yeah uh, free pizza and coffee um dang it yeah, um, it's programmed by uh everyone at the american cinematech i think it's like grant morager and all yeah. those guys yeah they're really cool nice people. shoot um they're really great um uh, come back to me because I, I okay. think I have so many movies that I can. <laughs> as long as you don't say like what's that one Italian one zombie a zombie oh even um what's it called um zombie 2 the one where the child eats the mom and there's oh yeah we, we saw that yeah um that one's so gross it's, 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 it's called uh uh yeah. something on a day yeah I don't even remember the title yeah it's alright oh uh, okay we'll, we'll go back to that but um can you guys talk a little bit, and this is uh, also a question for Alejandro, talk a little bit about the future of the film, what you're trying to do. I know you're uh, trying to get it distributed and everything. If you could, uh, yeah, can you fill us in? Uh, so Richard and I create a company called Cabrito. Um, it's an LLCC, um, LLC, um, minor company right now that we're trying to, um, the, the thing is, uh, Okay, so like I said before, Richard wanted to get, uh, we're very big fans of physical media, Criterion Collection, Arrow Video. Uh, we grew up in the 200s, uh, 200s, 2000s era. 200s. Uh, I was like, oh, do we movies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we old. Theater, old. <laughs> yeah. um, no, like I think uh, owning like, uh, even like here in my, um, so he has a good movie i have a lot of uh still dvds i know Richard. yeah dude you have a lot of movies by the way i think (laughs) i think i I think reviewing your movie collection is like damn do you put sometimes put the barnes and nobles to shame (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, you know some of some like i think like best buy is like downsizing their physical media department yeah that shit's dying sometimes i mean you'd be lucky if you find any like good i mean i guess they're known for steelbooks but uh (laughs) like you'll be lucky to find any like any any of like uh, older titles yeah like you have to have like five steelbooks of rogue one yeah i know like and i think uh my mom was a big fan of uh video cassettes uh vinyls are coming back 
all those things that are just uh, tangible, like that with streaming, like um, it's good if, I mean, streaming is great, but if you don't have, if you're not subscribed, you know, and there's like so many things to subscribe now. Um, yes. So. You own the physical copy of the movie. It's like you're buying like what you bought for a movie ticket. Um, I was watching uh, Mank, uh, David Fincher's Mank. Mm-hmm. And um, well, you know, great movie. Uh, if you like, you know, Hollywood history. Uh, it's a great if not, movie, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. Um, there's one scene that I think Louis Mayer saying like, well, the truth of um, cinema and film is that uh, the buyer gets uh, nothing but a memory. So even back in the days that you were going to the cinema, which is you know great, uh, but you just you know the movie does its run. Uh, you never see it unless it's a special event and like uh and especially here in la we're lucky to go to those events that we're able to see movies on yeah. film pre or movies but like uh with the physical media you actually like i mean not it's not only a memory it's a physical memory you can go back to it uh i don't know if you guys do it like i'm a guy that you know i watch movies so many times just for the pleasure of it um yeah. you wore you wore those wore out the blu-rays the dvds my indiana jones box set it's on dvd but i'll never get rid of that it's too much too much too much value you know exactly and i think one of the, the cool things about like sharing those things with richard is that uh we're born in the same i mean first of all we you know we like similar movies because we you know are very open in our tastes uh and we watch you know a lot of movies but um i would really appreciate the extra work that goes on a criterion on an error release all the special features and how everything is produced. Like it is a little bit pricey, but like I'll pay for it because I know that I'm getting like a lot of things uh, for my money. Uh, so Richard and I started like, you know, seeing like, okay, uh, production companies and distribution companies, they only pick up maybe five movies a year. Lucky enough, like companies like Neon that, you know, uh, they put their bits on Parasite. Parasite was great, you know, like, uh, 824, even 824, uh, it's not a production company, it's a distribution yeah, company. People forget that, yeah, people yeah. forget that. It's 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 not a production company, it's a distribution, yeah. And they have a sense of culture, uh, pretty niche sense of culture. Um, and it wasn't the favor, so, um, Rich and I were trying to look for those, um, um, and then we asking around and like you know, finding a distribution company. You have to get an agent. You have to get a sales agent. So it has so much that uh, Richard with Ramblings Productions has already a fan built in and a uh, community of filmmakers. So it's my network and like local people here in East Los Angeles. So we're uh, trying to get the uh, product to the people uh, who are interested in acquiring. Um, right now we're doing a Blu-ray, a Blu-ray release for uh, the film um and we're um did a lot of uh richard's a fantastic editor and he did so much content for it uh behind the scenes scopitones uh trailers um interviews with uh jonathan rocha the uh, composer of the movie that we're talking about the score and um i i begged richard i was like please talk about uh your scenes because i there's so many great scenes that i want to hear like um the story behind them and Richard did uh, with its subtitles for it and uh, name six sin selection um, and again keeping um, what we grew up on that our DVD menus are not only pop up menus that like more interactive menus uh, in pages that you go and like search yeah um, so we just kind of putting ours a reference um, kind of a holocaust was a big reference for the uh, Blu-ray as well. <laughs> Yeah, we did look into that. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was uh, uh, when we were doing research on like uh, menu uh, designs. Uh, yeah. We saw we had found one. We had also found a fan made one. I'm not going to throw him under the bus or anything, but we had saw one and it was pretty impressive. It was like, oh, you did a good job. You set up the, the button layouts, the menu layouts, the page layouts. And like, it's all very in depth. And this is all made like DIY. I was like, oh, you know, that's a good reference right there. That's, yeah. that's cool because I, I feel like it's sad because it's like current blu-rays like if you look at all the blu-rays from like warner brothers the menus have no style they're just cookie cutter like oh definitely (laughs) i could i could say a few yeah i think uh it was funny uh last time alejandro (laughs) was over blu-ray it's just atrocious that's like special features yeah yeah i mean that thing sure but the art of like 
uh, physical media does come down to your uh, the presentation. So like the menu, <laughs> if the design is kind of whack, oh man, that, that loses a little bit of value. We were looking at my uh, Mad Max Fury Road still book. And I, I, I love that steelbook. I was like, oh, I love this one because of the poster, the ultimate <laughs> poster. And like uh, we popped it in, and then uh, I, I believe Alejandro was calling it first. It's like that's the that's the that's the edition that that comes out in the five dollar like bin. I was like, what? And then like we put it in, and it's it's the exact same stock layout. It's like play movie chapters, scene selection. That's it. And it's like static image soundtrack playing in the background. I'm like this is boring. <laughs> yeah. This sucks. But um, you know, I mean, that's. Uh, that's, that's what you get, I guess. But um, from like just modern releases, they, they don't really do the effort anymore. And we're seeing the decline in that. And I think that's what Alejandro's trying to point out. It's just that like there is a, a, a focus that's uh, that was once there, especially in the DVD culture, especially in home media in general, that is not found anymore. And, you know, it's just because of the digital age. But um, yeah, sadly, that's, yeah, that's the truth. You know, hopefully you know trends come back you know we hopefully could see you know with yeah titles, definitely like uh arrow or uh, shout factory yeah, they've of, done a good job they've done yeah, a great job done you just have to keep pushing it you have to keep yeah. pushing the format regardless of it being out of style um it's just uh just respect for like media you know oh definitely um, definitely yeah um but yeah yeah you know i i really dug uh you know movies like this and you know that that try to you excuse me that that really take you to another that that put you in another time and you know the fact that you're doing like a Blu-ray release and uh, you know this kind of uh, you know different kind of like marketing and almost like uh, like Sam Raimi he took uh, the Evil Dead to all the drive-ins you know it kind of reminds me of like a modern version to that so I really commend you for uh, just kind of like you know this uh, getting the nuts and bolts together to to really showcase your guys' work so glad to uh, feature it on the podcast and kind of talk about it and everything you know hey thank you yeah and thank you for the whole sam Raimi thing i love that guy um <laughs> we, we love that dude on the, we worship that guy on the podcast you know yeah he's he's a he's a fantastic like filmmaker he's just yeah. genius uh but he's also very subtle but like when you really get to hear him talk especially in just archived like interviews and etc you just see how much of a he just knows what he's doing yeah. pretty much he's got it you know um but cool yeah no thank you guys for you know kind of uh at our time but you know thanks for talking about the movie midnight run on the podcast being on the podcast it's cool to have alejandro back on cool to find you have you on richard um where where can uh where can people find you at and then what, what do you, is there any plugs or anything you want to do for the movie just uh tell us tell us and everything yeah definitely well i can primarily say the cabrito like the, our our company they were starting up. Uh, Alejandro, I teamed up with him because uh, I, I found I found that he, uh, he's like probably the most relatable filmmaker I can, I've met so far, especially from like the community college I went to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just like as soon as I when I first met him, I knew he was really easy to talk to and also be clicked. Uh, he has an open taste. That's just that's the most yeah. important thing. So I yeah. thought it was really important. Yeah. And uh, I just hung on to him and then um, got back to him and we started this thing. Uh, definitely that we it's it's fairly new especially since this is going to be our first release uh but it's gonna it's 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 best it's definitely a testament and also a, a proof of concept of what we're able to do <laughs> it's a uh, yeah you can definitely check us out it's a uh, cabrito d-i-s-t for like distribution okay. uh, you can find us on instagram soon enough there'll be a website but you can find us there on social media and uh there's ramblings productions which is uh, a production company that i i'm with as well bunch of my friends basically uh east los angeles uh natives and uh just post up our work there um nice. we have a website ramblingsproductions.com you can go there as well as uh, instagram we're mostly active on there and twitter okay yeah we'll, we'll put all the links in the description uh where can people find you richard me uh well you can also find me on twitter mainly just uh i'm, I'm very much on the internet <laughs> so you'll most likely see me there yeah, uh, my name is uh, Lofi Surfer without the E, so it's L O F I S U R F R. You'll probably find me on a simple Google search and see all my social media links there because I use the same username. <laughs> but yeah. you'll find me there on Twitter mainly and Instagram if you'd like. But uh, keep it simple. But yeah, you can definitely find me there. <laughs> yeah, Alejandro, where can uh, people find you if you if you have any plugs as well? Uh, they can find me on uh, again Twitter. Um, I go by Echega. It's like a little short for my uh, last name, uh, E C H E G A, and sixteen because I was sixteen when I started Twitter. 
Um, okay. And my um, Instagram page. I didn't page, know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to do it for a class, you know, like, uh, yeah, oh. my class was tweeting <laughs> so I can get uh, credit because, you know, it's like, all oh, this is going to be the new social media coming out, guys. So. Um, little little did we know with the damage we do to the world. <laughs> Twitter, yeah. Twitter is, you know, Twitter is a mess sometimes, you know. <laughs> but yeah. as it's good aspects, I guess. But yeah, I, I love Instagram. Some you know, uh, twenty four seven on Instagram. Uh, same thing. Uh, Echega as uh, E C H E G A, and then one, two, three. Crazy. Awesome. <laughs> and also, uh, yeah um, if anyone's interested to watching the movie, um, just be tuned because uh, we're going to be releasing um, some stuff this week in terms of uh, release dates and pre-ordering. Okay. Um, and we want to, uh, again, um, give you all this content. Um, the Blu-ray is, um, we got... Um, Danny, uh, what was this Instagram for Danny's Instagram? Yes. Uh, yeah, I can plug in a bit more. Uh, so this is, uh, he did the cover design for the Blu-ray and as well as the uh, logo work. And then pretty much he's also a part of Ramblings as well. Uh, you can find his artwork on Echo de Barro. So that's, uh, yeah, you can find all his work there too. He's a, he's done an amazing job with the Blu-ray cover design. Um, you can see it all there and um, you can find them on Instagram there. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely want to check that out. Um, but cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll be on the lookout for that. Um, please give them a follow. Um, you know, I saw this movie. I would really recommend checking it out. You have my seal of approval. Yeah. You know, so please, uh, you know, you want to, any listeners support independent film, do it through here. Check out their label. Um, you know, the movie was Midnight Run, you know, Ram, Rambling Productions and, yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, we're gonna put all the info in the, the link of this description and follow them there. Um, so cool, guys. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, see where this goes here and hope we could have you on again. Um, I guess that's that's our show. Um, I was just gonna say you could find me on Twitter and Instagram, g nine eight nine eight nine two. You can find the podcast at the Waffle Press Podcast on Twitter, or excuse me, on Instagram, and then at the Waffle Press Podcast on Twitter. Um, we're on iTunes, uh, Spotify. Uh, SoundCloud and YouTube, please like, share, subscribe. Um, you find something you like, or maybe something you don't like, subscribe anyway. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We've been professionally unprofessional. <laughs>